Hi, everybody. Welcome to the 45th edition of the PR Masters podcast series. I'm Mark Stevens, your host, and I'm also managing partner of the Stevens Group, a leading facilitator of mergers and acquisitions in the PR and digital interactive space. The PR Masters podcast honors living legends in our profession, individuals who have made a mark in the world of public relations. We have a very special guest today. In fact, this is his second time as a member of our PR podcast team. He is Ron Tarosian, and he is back a second time because he so impressed our listeners his first time around about a year ago that we invited him back to continue fascinating our listeners. So Ron Tarosian, as you probably know, is founder and CEO of New York-based 5WPR. 5WPR is one of the 10 largest independently owned PR firms in the United States. And Ron has over 20 years of experience crafting and executing powerful narratives for some of America's most prolific and well-respected organizations. Well, since founding 5WPR in 2003, Ron has truly overseen the company's dynamic growth, and he's expanding the company to more than 175 professionals. His headquarters are in New York and Manhattan, and with clients spanning the corporate, technology, and consumer sectors, in addition to a robust crisis, digital marketing, and public affairs offerings, 5WPR is regularly recognized as an industry leader and has been named PR Agency of the Year by the American Business Awards on multiple occasions. Ron's worked with some of the world's most visible companies, including Coca-Cola, McDonald's, Microsoft, Walgreens, L'Oreal, Unilever, etc. So it's my pleasure to welcome today for the second time, Ron Tarosian. Ron, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Art. You know, as you know, I've long been a fan of your work. We're friends for many, many years. I think highly of you, and I'm uh, very appreciative and honored to uh, join you today. Thank you so much, Ron. I appreciate that very much. Yes, we have known each other for a long time, and I've followed your career with great interest, great fascination, and I've been delighted to see how you have grown your agency to one of the most respected and highly regarded agencies in the world. So, Ron, let's start with this. You know, you're a relatively young guy, and yet you've been able to grow your firm to its present level as among the top PR, uh, actually 10 independent PR agencies in the, in the U.S. Tell us how you did it. How did you do it? So first, I love to hear myself referred to as a young guy. Uh, I'm 46, and uh, I wish I could still consider myself a really young guy. Um, well, you, you are. Know, we're blessed. You are. <laughs> we're, we're, you know, we're blessed. I founded 5WPR in 2003. Um, you know, I had one room by myself. Today, we're, you know, 200 people and um, growing quickly. I think, you know, people always talk about the secret to success. I can tell you the secret to success for us has been hard work, overperforming, you know, I've long lived by the philosophy of being the first one in the office and the last one out. Now, the concept of an office today in 2021 might not be as relevant as it was before, but you do hard work. You do good work for clients. You tell the truth. That's the best way that we built our business. Um, I think it's served us well. Um, you know, we're blessed that we're also very diverse. You know, there's a lot of agencies out there. Um, some do only consumer. Some do only corporate. Some do only beauty. Some do only travel. You know, I think for an agency our size, we're one of the few that does a clear mix of we are a 50% B2C agency, 50% B2B agency, 
And um, so we span many, many, many different practice areas, which I think has allowed us to grow. We operate 11 different profit centers. Um, so, you know, each of my, you know, teams really run a, its own small niche boutique agency is how we treat them. And it allows us to, I think, be best of breed in the things that we do. Um, you know, so the long answer to a short question, I think hard work, I think over delivering for clients, that's how we've been able to build our business. But I'll also tell you that we're just getting started. You know, we are very, very, very positive about the outlook in terms of 2021. We had our best year ever in 2020. Um, I think, you know, speaking to you now in March 2021, I believe this quarter will be our best quarter we've ever had. So I think it's a dynamic time for 5WPR, but I think it's a, I also think it's a golden time of growth for the entire PR industry. I think, you know, PR is, I believe PR will continue to grow and expand in the days, weeks, and years to come. So, Rod, how, how does your firm differ from the competition? Obviously, you have done something that not all firms are able to do. You have had exponential growth, not just growth, but exponential growth. You have grown incredibly rapidly over the last uh, 10 years or so. So how does your firm differ from the uh, competition? I want to tell you that for me, our biggest competition remains ourselves. Um, you know, I wouldn't have given that answer some years ago, but I'll tell you today, we're our biggest competition. Um, you know, as I said earlier, I think it's very important that we know what we're good at. So I think we're great at digital media. We're great at influencer relations. We're great at creating, you know, narratives to tell in the media marketplace. And we also know what we're not so great at. So I think the clients that work with us, the clients that we choose to work with and they choose to work with us are clients that are looking for real results, are clients that are looking to really make things happen, are clients that are innovative, aggressive, entrepreneurial-minded people. And they could be, you know, we represent a number of the largest companies in the world. We also represent three, five, seven people companies. You know, our focus is really on ensuring that the clients that we get, we do phenomenal, amazing, great work for. We tell the truth. That's how we built our agency. Um, and that's why I think that, that that's why I think we've grown. So, Ron, you know, given where agencies have had to go over the past, you know, say 10 years with technology and all the advancements in social media and what have you, uh, you have always stayed ahead of the curve. You know, you have been able to provide the services for your clients that are required in this modern day and age. How do you see around the curve to see what's coming next? How did you do it? You know, I think um, we listen to really smart people around us. You know, I think one of the things I learned, you know, years ago was you have two ears and one mouth for a reason. And it's not always necessary. It's something the younger me certainly didn't know was you don't need to always be the loudest person in the room. I think for many years I needed to be the loudest person in the room. Um, you know, even the loudest person in the PR industry. I had that need. I had that desire, I think. And, you know, look, I'm a boy from the Bronx. I grew up, you know, in New York City and attended public schools in the city my whole life, product of a single mother household. And so in my mind, I've always been a fighter. And so you go out and you fight and you create and you build. Um, but I also think it's important to listen. So we listen and we talk to a lot of really smart people in-house, out-of-house, um, you know, I believe as long as we're in this world that you have the obligation to continue to learn and to continue to grow. Um, I read, I don't know, I read sometimes seven to ten books a week. Um, you know, a mix of different things, fiction, nonfiction, things I enjoy. Um, you know, I, I make a religious, you know, I make it a religious, you know, for me it's almost like a religious observance is to consistently read, listen, grow, um, you know, it's, and I, I think that's a lot about what life is about. 
um, you know, look, now I have a uh, teenage daughter living with me. And so, you know, you learn a lot living with teenage daughters about things like Snapchat and, um, you know, other social media channels. And, um, you know, you like to try and surround yourself with smart people who you learn from and, you, you know, and you observe together. Ron, a quick aside, you know, I'm I'm from the Bronx, too. I don't know if we ever talked about that. Oh, no, I didn't know that. You, I am. Uh, Where'd I, you grow up? I grew up in Riverdale, right on the border, right, right where Riverdale starts. And um, I went to public school, PF24, junior high school, 141. And then Stuyvesant High School, where are you from? Do you, do you know the Tremont Southern Boulevard area? Yeah, sure. That's where I grew up. Not wow. about, about three blocks from, from Bronx Zoo, actually. Bronx Zoo was my playground when I was a kid. But I went to uh, PS92, PS44, and then I went to the High School of Performing Arts. I wanted to be an actor when I was a kid. But, uh, oh, wow. But, uh, yeah, well, we're both from the Bronx. So I think that's wonderful. No wonder we have so much in common, Ron. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah. Yeah. I spent all my formative years in the Bronx playing stickball, you know, uh, all the street games that you probably play, too. <laughs> wow, yeah, absolutely. You know, you grow up like that. You know, you, you, you learn and you observe a lot. Um, you know, you see a lot. Exactly. So, yeah, I lived in the Bronx, um, you know, literally until I moved to Manhattan at the age of, uh, I think, 25 or something. Um, you know, you know, New York was a different place then. Yeah, well, I think we follow the same trajectory. I, I moved into Manhattan when I was about, I guess, about 23, you know, away from the Bronx, wow. my first time away from the Bronx. But anyway. <laughs> Me too. That's funny. Me too. We'll have, wow. We'll I didn't to, know that. Really? We, I don't know. We've never, I don't think we've ever, we've had many, many, many discussions through the years about many different things, and I don't think I knew yeah. that. Wow. I didn't know that about you either. You know, exactly. For some I didn't. I didn't. I didn't know that. Well, that's another discussion for another day, <laughs> for sure. The Bronx. <laughs> but the anyway, Bronx create, the Bronx in New York City creates a real. I think you know you you're learning. You see a lot of things growing up in New York City, and um, oh, yeah. it's great. It's great. Great. You know, it's, uh, I wouldn't trade it for anything. No, same here. I feel the same way. I had a great, a great childhood in the Bronx. You know, playing all those street games that I used to, and uh, uh, you know, living among bricks and mortar, bricks and mortars, and not uh, exactly not right. And grass. Exactly right. <laughs> well, anyway, back to five W. So, Ron, I named some of your uh, some of the clients that you've worked with over the years. Who are some of your present clients? Um, you know, clients that I can, I'll tell you again, our, our client list is a mix of 50% consumer brands, 50% corporate and technology brands. Um, we represent a number of the world's largest hedge funds. We represent six people on the Forbes 400 list. We represent about 15 different publicly traded companies. Um, some names that I can give you that are current clients, Samsung, Nokia, um, SAP, L'Oreal, Tops, Payless, Sparkling Ice, uh, Welch's Fruit Snacks, SodaStream. Um, we represent one of the world's two largest companies on an active, ongoing basis. I can't name, but one of the two largest companies in the world. Um, you know, we have a great client list that stays with us for many, many, many years. Um, they're just, you know, great clients, exciting clients, and um, from technology, genius, from technology, you know, humus, humongous behemoths to um, worldwide beauty brands and a wide variety of others. So, Ron, another th aside from the Bronx, uh, uh, you and I have another thing in common. You know, we both started our agencies at a, at a young age, um, and I've always admired people who did that because uh, 
you know, for me it was a period of, you know, of, uh, of fear, uncertainty, but something I felt compelled to do. What made you decide to start your own agency? You, you had a good career on the agency side, and you had senior-level jobs. What made you decide to go out on your own? Yeah, it's funny you say, you know, scary. People don't know how scary it is to own your own business. It's scary. It's really, it's, it's, it, it, you know, you said fear. I think that that's a good thing. That's a, it's, you know, I think it's in many ways it's a motivator. Um, I started my own agency because I knew that I could build something much larger. Um, you know, when I started, um, you know, I thought that there were two great, you know, New York City media agencies. There was Howard Rubenstein you know, who recently passed away, who of course, is, you know, a legend of legends in our business. And um, yeah. and it was also Dan Clores, which is another great agency. I said, there's room for another good New York media relations agency. That's what I thought when I founded the agency in 2003, was I said to myself, those are the real only pure New York agencies is Howard Rubenstein and Dan Clores. And frankly, those guys were much older than me. Um, and I said to myself, there's nobody else who's there behind them. So I think for the first, you know, three, five, seven years, that was my desire, was to really be a, you know, media relations shop in New York. I think, you know, by the time 2010, 11 came around, I think the world had changed. I think, you know, just the New York focus wasn't as important as before. And I think, you know, as we grow and as we expand and, you know, as people, as we grow, my desires, you know, changed. And um, I just wanted to build a larger agency. And I'll tell you today, you know, at 200 people, we're just getting started. Uh, we are, you know, as you know, fiercely independent, fiercely focused on continuing to grow. And um, I'm very excited about, you know, the future of our business. And I'll tell you, for me, 17 years in, we're very much still a startup. We're very much still a business that every day focuses on how do we do great work? How do we build? How do we grow? And I'm thrilled with my decision to start my own agency. I'm, you know, so many different levels. 5WPR is a blessing for me and my family and for, you know, the thousands of people we've touched through the years. So what was the breakthrough moment for you, Ron, when you, you know, after you started your agency, was it getting your first like recognizable blue chip client? Was it breaking the million dollar barrier? What was the, what was the, you know, what was the, the, the point of celebration uh, after reaching a, a particular goal you had uh, that enabled you to open up that bottle of champagne? Who says we've had it yet? Um, you know, I'll tell you. You know, I, I'll tell you that when I started the agency, I was really proud that Sean Combs was one of our first clients. Um, you know, P Diddy, Puff Daddy. Um, I would say my first really blue chip client that I was thrilled about. Um, I won Thanksgiving 2004 was Evian Water. We were the agency of record for Evian Water for about five six years, and um, I remember it was a competitive pitch. And we were up against like four or five other agencies at the time. We were like eight people. And um, I think it was about a $300,000 annual budget, maybe $400,000 annual budget. Uh, but we became the agency of record for Evian Water. And I remember, you know, for like a week, I couldn't sleep. I was like, oh, my goodness, we're the PR firm of record for Evian Water. Everybody in the world knows Evian Water. And, you know, and I remember it also was, you know, I, I, I – uh, I didn't like to drink Evian water, but I forced myself to drink it for quite a while. So I said to myself, you know, that old Ogilvy rule, you know, that, that, that legendary book, Ogilvy on advertising, you know, you consume your client's product. And so right, um, right. I, threw out, I threw out every other water in our office. I threw out every other water in my house. I told, you know, my wife at the time, <laughs> um, I told my wife at the time, you know, now my ex-wife, you know, you could only buy Evian water at home, and that was it. And um, I would tell you, for me, that was kind of a seminal moment in the uh, 
development of 5W. And now it's a different ballgame. Again, you know, we represent some of the largest companies in the world. And every day we get a different, exciting, interesting call. And um, but I would tell you, that, you know, if I had to define a seminal moment looking back over the last 17 years or so, it was probably winning Evian Water. So let me let me probe a little deeper, Ron. How did you win it? How do you think you won it? You, I'm sure you competed against other agencies. So what did you think you did, and what did you think you brought to the party that enabled them to say that's that's the agency I want? You know, it's funny. I remember that pitch clearly because. Evian Water at the time was pushing themselves. We're a luxury brand. We're a luxury brand. We're a luxury brand. And I remember my pitch that, that I think where we won it was, and I remember I said to them, guys, I work in the heart of Manhattan. The only place that I ever see your product is in Dwayne Reed sitting next to toilet paper. So you keep talking about being a luxury product. How do I only see you next to toilet paper and tampons? You know, literally, I, I said to them, you know, your bottle is like disgusting looking. You know, they start telling me about, you know, French heritage and in France we're this and in Europe we're this. And I said, guys, I'm a New Yorker. You know, the, I said it, I think, three times. I only see your product sitting next to tampons and toilet paper. And um, I remember the CMO at the time, like, argued with me about it. And I said, like, you know, you can argue with me about, you know, what France perceives, what Europe perceives, what America perceives is, you know, is much different. And um, I think it forced them. They were at the time operating in their mind, I think, in a much higher you know, place than the American consumer perceived them to be. We've dumbed down a lot of their messaging. I think that's why we won the business. I think nobody else had the guts to tell them that. Um, and, you know, to their credit at the time, we had them, I don't know, we kept them five, six years. You know, they, they let us run with a lot of different things. And um, it was a lot of fun and interesting and exciting, and I really loved it. Well, Ron, you know, you – have always been a direct tell-it-like-it-is person. You, you feel that that has enabled you, given what you've just described? Has that enabled you, you know, to kind of win over clients with your brutal honesty? And brutal honesty is a very good thing. Um, you know, I mean, again, when you say brutal honesty, I think, you know, Ron Tarosian at the age of 46 is a lot different in the way he's brutally honest than he was at the age of 36. Um, and I think, you know, yes, I'm very honest. Yes, I'm very direct. Yes, I act very quickly. Um, but at the agency, there's, you know, we have co-presidents of the agency, Dara Bush and Matt Kaola, you know, co-presidents of 5WPR, and they run a lot of the day-to-day. You know, the average tenure of staff at my agency for a VP and above is about eight and a half years, which I think is probably an industry high. Um, so, you know, we have great people around us. We have really smart people around us that enable us to grow and to do great work. Um, you know, 5W is very much a, you know, a, a, a teamwork environment. We have a lot of different smart people working together, um, you know, and coming up with great client programs, great internal resources, great things that allow us to be the wonderful agency that I think we are. You've got, what, 175 people now? My, we're about 200. We're, we're, we're a little over 200. A little over 200 these days. Oh my God! Wow, you're growing as we speak. <laughs> yeah, <I'm> trying. <laughs> so, how do you keep your people, Ron? I think you know the art to keeping good people at my agency, at our agency. I think, like a lot of other places, is treating them well, is giving them an opportunity to win and to succeed. I think people who work for 5W realize that that they they have the opportunity to go out and create. They have the opportunity to go out and build. Ultimately, you're going to go out and take chances. 
Um, again, I, I think we treat people really well. That's why, again, you know, I'm really we have a lot of boomerangs. People who go and work somewhere else and come work for us. Um, we very, very rarely lose people to other agencies. Um, you know, occasionally we lose people to you know to their dream job. You know, last year somebody walked in, a top person of mine. I've always wanted to work for Victoria's Secret, and then I'd be the number two of PR Victoria's Secret. You know, I can't compete with that sort of thing, right? You know, we 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 once lost somebody who was dreaming to always go work for Google in house. You know, those are hard things to compete with. If you dream of working at Google, you dream of working at Victoria's Secret. Um, those are the only cases I could tell you where we, we lose people we don't want to lose. Generally, people stay with us a long time. We treat them well. We're good to them. And we give them, you know, a tremendous amount of opportunity. Ron, how do you, how do you characterize your management style? Um, you know, you obviously, you know, uh, you're a maverick in many ways, uh, considering the tremendous growth your firm has achieved over the years. Uh, do you have a particular management style that you feel is comfortable for you? Push, challenge, push people, challenge people, um, enable to people to win. Very OCD. I am very on top of it. I can tell you a ton of the different minutia of our business. I know the finances in and out. I know HR in and out. I know our new business, one lost, one lost list in and out, in and out. Um, there's other people who are probably better than me at this point of the day-to-day culture and day-to-day of the agency. But a lot of the minutiae details I know a ton of. Um, I think my management style is probably, you know, people who report to me and, they again, they work with me for years. We would probably have 10 five-minute calls a day or 10, you know, or, or, or 10 emails back and forth a day than one, e- than one weekly, you know, setting set for an hour. Um, I, speak, I, I speak to eight, nine, 10 people who work with me 50 times a day. Um, I don't work hmm. with, you know, I don't work with the, literally. I mean, we go back and forth on email and on calls you know, literally 10 times a day. Again, now the management style has changed in the last year because you're not seeing people the same way. You know, I'm holding this call with you, you know, wearing shorts in my living room right now. Um, you know, so am I, that, you know, all of us, exactly right. So, you know, Art, you're now sitting, you know, in Florida and I'm sitting, you know, in, 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 and neither of us is in an office. Neither of us knows when we're going back to an office. So the entire way that you manage the entire way that you report is of course, completely different now. You know, I used to be able to, you know, sit and talk to my people every day. I'm not seeing them every day. It's just much different these days. And that's you know, not going to change anytime soon. Well, do you think that, you know, given what you're just saying, do you think that, uh, you know, the whole idea of office space is uh, still something that you would, you know, go back to, you know, when the time is right? It's funny. I just did a big interview with The Real Deal, the, um, you know, New York City real estate publication about this issue. I think that the future, I I am very pessimistic about the future of offices in the American workplace. Um, Mm. I do not believe that we are going to go back to a, nine to five, Monday to Friday, you know, type environment ever again. Um, I, I, I am very pessimistic about the future of the, of the workplace. Do I think that people will go in one, two, three days a week? Yes. Do I think that there's still room for, do I think there's still room for offices to some degree? Yes. Do I think it's going to be what it was before? No way. I think offices have forever changed. Um, I do not believe for a minute that even when this pandemic ends, and even if, you know, COVID does indeed finish, we're going to go back to work. And I'm not just talking about the PR industry. You know, people think you're going to go back to offices. So here's the challenge, okay? Pretend tomorrow 5WPR says 9 to 6, Monday to Friday, we're going back in September, okay? But pretend every other agency 
says they're not doing it. How long do you think my employees are going to stick around, Art? I don't think they're going to. I, mean, I, I think you're going to go look for a job. So, you know, when I see Goldman Sachs out there saying our people have to come full to come to work full time, you know, back in August, I think they just said that now. You know, what I say is, you know, but how about Jeffries and Merrill Lynch and all the other investment banks? If they're not making you go back to work, then Goldman Sachs people are going to start looking for a job. I, I think I, I do not believe we'll go back to Monday to Friday, Monday to Friday, nine to six anytime soon. And I don't think and I don't think ever. I really don't. So this leads to another question, and that is, you know, I, I, I have to assume that the bulk that the bulk of your employees at the moment uh, are in New York. Uh, will this open up the marketplace to you to, you know, to to recruit people from around the rest of the country? Yes, I absolutely think that you will see the place that you sit being a lot less important um, in the in, in the time to come. I don't think it matters if you sit in New York or L.A. or Miami. Um, no, because, you know, again, who cares? I mean, I think that large cities, again, it's a whole other discussion that I do with PR. I think large cities in general are going to suffer. Um, you know, you're seeing now a tremendous migration to Miami of New Yorkers. You're seeing now a tremendous migration to Texas of Californians. Now, there's a lot of different, you know, reasons for that happening, um, but certainly work is one of them. Certainly, you know, if I don't need to live in, if I don't need to live and commute to my office every day, if I don't need to commute to my office every day, then why do I need to live close to a major metropolitan city? These are things I think we're going to see. I, I, I think you're going to see the world change like that. I, 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 am, I, am, I am not optimistic about the future of cities worldwide because if I don't need to be in Manhattan or London or Chicago every single day, then why don't I live an hour, two, three, five away, right? In other words, why do I need to live in Hoboken, New Jersey? Why do I need to live in, you know, I don't have to live in Hoboken. I can live two hours further than Hoboken. And then you look at, you know, me, I look, I live on 60th and Park. Um, and the, one of the real reasons I live here is because I walk to my office every single day. I, if I don't need to walk to my office every single day, then why do I need to live on 60th and Park? What's stopping me from living in, you know, the Hamptons full time where I have a second home? Um, and that's beside the question of, you know, Florida and taxes and many other things that are constantly on the minds of people today. You know, so you made reference, of course, you know, to the, the changing lifestyle uh, as a result of the pandemic. So my next question is, to what extent was your, your firm affected by the uh, pandemic? We were very affected by it. It was, um, and I don't think that there's a, you know, I find it hard to believe that there's a business on earth that wasn't affected by this. You know, we were a, if you would have spoken to me a year ago now, right, we were a Monday to Friday, nine to six type of an office. You know, we're in our office. I have gorgeous offices, top two floors of the Helmsley building. Um, you know, we were a very much come to work, do your thing type of a place. That all changed. Um, you know, these days nobody goes to the office. Um, you know, the way that we handle things, the way that we handle clients, you know, from new business pitches to employee culture to day-to-day -day management, all of it's just so much different. All of it's completely, completely different. Um, and... Um, you know, what I can tell you is that I don't think it's going back. I think that, you know, it, 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 sitting in New York, okay, and I live in New York. I don't live in America. They're different places. I can tell you that for me, this pandemic started a year ago now. This thing is not finishing in New York City before Labor Day. That's going to be an 18-month period. You don't – you form habits in 18 months, okay? I don't believe that in 18 months, you know, real habits don't develop. 
And more than that, you know, businesses that had good years, why would they go back to the office? For what reason are you going back to the office? Why are you going back to the old way? You know, I can't tell you, you know, today, for example, I'm, I'm busy, or I have, I think, seven calls today. But you know what? From 3.30 to 4.15 today, I have nothing because my 10-year-old's coming home at 3.30. I just want to hang out with her for half an hour. Okay? So I'm making, I'm making sure at 3.30 that I have nothing to do. Tomorrow morning, I'm going to take her to school, and then I'll meet a buddy for breakfast, you know, and I'm going to wear sweatpants. I'm going to meet a buddy for breakfast uptown at 9.15, and I won't start the day till 10.30, 11. Um, but guess what? I'll go till, you know, tonight, forget it. Tonight I have a 7 o'clock conference call at the West Call. With the, I'm sorry, a 7 o'clock conference call at the West Coast, and it'll go till 9.30. So the day is just much different. It's just, um, and I think all of us have developed those type of patterns and those type of habits that didn't exist before. For me, I'm thrilled today at 3.30, I get, you know, extra 45 minutes for my daughter. Um, you know, that tomorrow morning we're going to walk the dog together before school because I don't have to worry about running to the office and putting on a suit. Um, you know, I can come home afterwards and do my calls and shorts from home. It's, it's just, it's a much different ballgame. So, Ron, um, you, you have been, uh, it's clear to me, and, you know, having known you for so long, that you are a very uh, intense, hard-driving guy. Um, would you characterize yourself as that, intense and hard-driving? I, I, I absolutely would. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So, when do you relax, and how do you relax when you, when you are able to relax? So, I have two daughters that are by far the biggest blessing in my life, the most important thing in my world. Nothing else compares. Best thing I've ever done in my life. The best thing I ever will do is be a father. Um, I try and exercise every day. Um, I try and read every single day. I try and play chess every single day. Um, I think that those are probably, again, working out, I do just about every day, whether it's biking or swimming or, you know, something. Um, Reading, I absolutely have to do every single day. Um, I have a group of friends. I have a number of charities that are very important to me. I've long been involved in a lot of charities. Um, I have a lot of personal passions that, you know, drive me apart from work. And, again, I think that's an answer. You know, at 46, my answer is a lot different than the answer I would have given you at 36. I think, you know, and by the way, I hope, you know, to be doing an interview with you in 10 years, Art. And 10 years from now, I'll tell you, you know, I hope that the person I am at 56 is different than the person I am at 46. I think, you know, part of life is about growing and learning and developing and learning what you're good at, learning what you enjoy. And as we get older, we become better. We become better versions of ourselves. You know, for me, that's all I want to become. I want to be the best version of me for me. Um, and so, yes, I'm hard driving and intensive, but there's a lot of things I enjoy doing. Again, chess, reading, my family, um, that are really passionate, passionate things for me, and charities and a bunch of other things. Travel. Do you have any unusual hobbies? Unusual hobbies. I don't know. Any unusual hobbies? I don't think so. Um, no, I mean, look, I'm a, I spend a lot of time with my children, a lot of time alone with my children. Um, I, no, I don't think I have any unusual hobbies. I read a lot. I travel. No, no, I don't know. I don't know. So you're, not a stamp, you're not a stamp collector? You don't collect porcelain vases or anything like that? I collect art. I collect art. I'd like to continue to collect more art. In the last few years, I've... Uh, Last few years, I've started getting involved in some uh, some some art collecting for personal passion. I write a lot. I love to write. I re- I love to write. I write on politics. Um, I write on certain things I care. I write on politics. I write on uh, Israel and Middle Eastern issues that are important to me. Um, but no, I mean, I, I think the only thing I collect probably is art. 
um, it's funny, you know, you mentioned stamp collecting. As a kid, I used to collect baseball cards. And recently there's been this whole, uh, recently there's been this whole, you know, resurgence of baseball cards. And so the other day I looked at my closet and some of the cards, I have like a $50,000 card. Uh, I have like a rookie card of Reggie Jackson. I, 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 I think I paid eighteen dollars for that thing like thirty years ago. It's so funny though, you know, my kids tease me. Yeah, you know, it was thirty five years ago. Thirty years ago I bought those cards. Thirty five years ago I bought those cards. You know, I'm forty six, so I was probably I was probably my younger daughter's age when I bought them. Um but I don't, I'm not involved in that anymore. Um no, you know, I think that um you know between work and family and friends I have a I have a what I consider to be a full and happy life. So Ron Rumor has it that you only need about three hours of uh, sleep a night. Is that true? I think that was true when I started the agency. That's absolutely not true today. Um, okay. You know, when, yeah. what is true today is I can tell you I go to bed very early. You know, generally I'm in bed before 11 a.m. Before 11. I would tell you sometimes even by 10. And I'm also up very early. I mean, I'm up 5, 5.30 usually most days. Um, when I was younger, I think it's true that I probably slept on work nights three, four hours. I think for the first four years of 5W, I literally worked seven days a week. Um, Mm -hmm. I worked seven days a week when I started 5W, and yes, I think I slept three, four hours a night the first five-plus years of 5W. That's not the case anymore. My body can't handle it. My brain can't handle it. And frankly, I don't want to live that kind of life anymore. I did it for a bunch of years. It's tiring, and I think, you know, it, it, it's one of the reasons we're able to build, but I have no desire to do that today. I don't have the strength for it anymore. You know, again, we, you know, we get older, and if that's just we get wiser, we get smarter, we get clearer about what we want. I don't want to sit three hours a day more. I want to sleep five, six, seven. I think it's healthy. So here's a question I have about your style and personality, Ron, uh, and that is my question is: Are you are you tolerant, patient, and compromising, or are you quick to act based on what your gut tells you? Am I tolerant? Am I patient? Um, am I tolerant, patient? What was the third one, Art? Compromising. 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 I think I'm uh, – I don't think that patient is a word to describe me. No, I'm generally not patient. Um, I make decisions very quickly, good or bad. I think not making a decision also is making a decision. I think I'm tolerant of things that I respect. Um, you know, you have to – when people work with me, when people, you know, know me, I have to respect them, and then I'm tolerant. Um, I'm not tolerant of everything. No, in other words, you know, I don't believe that there's no such thing as a dumb idea. Uh, there are such things as a dumb idea. You know, there, there are certain experiments which shouldn't be done. Um, am I compromising? Again, it depends on what you're asking about. I think I'm aggressive. I think I'm focused. I think I'm smart. I think I'm analytical. Um, and I think for the right people that work with us, the right people, the right clients, um, you know, we, we create and we build things I think nobody, I think very, very few people can. With us, with me, you get the truth, you get directness, you get honesty, you get straightness. Um, but if you look at somebody tell you, wow, you're so smart, you're so brilliant, I'm not that guy. If you're looking for somebody to be, you know, your, uh, you know, Little league coach who always tells you, you know, there's no such thing as winners and losers. That's bullshit. There is such thing as winners and losers. You know, it's about, you know, tolerance. You know, some of these values that I see schools pushing today are completely absurd. You know, everybody gets a participation medal. Or, you know, where I grew up in the Bronx, there was no such thing as a participation medal. Okay? You lose and you win. That's how it works. The more pitchable, you know, when you're talking a story, the client says, well, you know, 
belongs to the Wall Street Journal. What happens in years and years and years? Usually, you have a pass the Wall Street Journal.
um, you know, America, I have hope. I have hope that, you know, President Biden will do a great job. There's a lot of divisiveness in this country. And, um, you know, while I didn't vote for President Biden, he is absolutely our president. He is absolutely, you know, he won. And now I hope he wins. And I'm sorry, now I hope he succeeds. Um, I hope that he can heal this country from the many issues and problems that we're facing. Um, but of course, you know, he has one big job, of course, you know, it's unlike anything else. He's got to solve Corona before anything else. That's a really tall thing to do, you know, not just for, you know, for, for all of the world's leaders. Um, you know, nothing else matters until we can get COVID behind us. Um, and so, you know, let's hope that, you know, America will be okay, but I'm very scared about the future of this country. And I'm terrified about the future of this city. Uh, my city, New York city is just, is devastating and destroyed. And I don't think it's just because of COVID. I think politics have a lot to do with it. Um, I think when, you know, some of these ultra liberal cities like New York and, and LA uh, that, 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 that have, you know, created an environment where it's hostile to business. These are things that I'm very concerned about. Very, very, very concerned about and things I'm personally involved with politically that, you know, I hope can, um, you know, slow down some of the radicals who think that, you know, wealth is evil. So, Ron, I've got a few more questions for you about about you personally. Uh, you know, this has been great. I've obviously enjoyed learning a lot more about you and your views. Um, so, my first uh, my first two, next to the last three or four questions, would be: What other things would you want to do with your life? You, you've obviously built a great agency. You know, you you are you have a legacy. Uh, you're involved in so many things. What what other things would you like to do with your life? I'd like to give a lot more charity. I'd like to build different charities. Um, I'm proud to be the chairman, for example, of a charity called Friends of Duv Devon. Um, some, some, some listeners might be familiar with the uh, Netflix, Netflix show called Fauda, F-A-U-D-A. Um, it's I an, it's, I'm, yeah. you, okay. So Duv so Devon is the real-life unit of Fauda. So Fauda is, Fauda, Fauda is Duv Devon. I am the chairman of the American Friends of that organization. So those, those, those real-life guys who do that kind of thing, who stop terrorism in Israel, who go and kidnap terrorists, who go undercover and stop you know, terror attacks in Israel, I'm proud to be the chairman of the American Friends of that organization. That, uh, Fauda was based on the Divine Unit. Um, that's one charity I'm very passionate about and very involved in. Um, I'm involved with a number of different charities of Jewish learning for women, which is something my mother was very passionate about. I'd love to give more time to charity. I used to think I wanted to run for political office. I have to tell you, as you get older, you become more pessimistic. I, I, I don't think that I'm interested in working or, you know, being actively involved in politics. I think philanthropy is something I want to do. I think eventually I'd love to write a movie. Um, I now have my second book coming out this month, which I'm really proud about. I think I'd love to write a movie one day. Um, and just to continue building businesses. I built, you know, besides 5W, I built a few other really successful businesses. Um, and I'm going to continue to do that. I have you know, a few other pas passionate projects I'm working on now involved with real estate and other things. And um, I just like, I, I like to build. It's fun building. I like to build. So I've got one final question for you, Ron. This has been, this has been terrific. And I appreciate your time, you know, uh, and interest in, in being one of our PR uh, masters uh, guests today. Um, how would you like to be remembered in the years ahead? Um, I think, you know, personally, I'd love to be remembered as a great father. I'd love to be thought of as a honorable person. 
I think in our industry, I want to be thought of as somebody that's built, you know, one of the best PR firms in the world. Um, that's very important to me. I want to build one of the largest, best PR firms in the world. Um, and I, I think we're just getting started on that path. Um, I'm proud of what we do. I'm happy with what we do. Um, you know, one of my biggest, you know, proud moments was, was uh, you know, I taught a few classes at Harvard Business School on PR last year, two years last year. The, that was like, oh, my goodness, I'm a boy from the Bronx who grew up with nothing. I'm lecturing at Harvard Business School. You know, it was such a, like, you know, moment. And, 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 and I brought my older daughter with me. And it was like, wow, I'm lecturing at Harvard Business School. Like, for me, a boy from the Bronx, and I could have never got into Harvard. You know, I, I used to joke they wouldn't give me a Harvard. You know, they wouldn't even let me buy a Harvard T-shirt way back when I was a student. They would have stole, you know, taken it off of me. Um, so I want to be remembered and thought of as somebody that, you know, does great work, keeps his word, is hardworking, and is a good person. Um, that's really important to me. And, you know, frankly, as the mother, as the son of Penny Waga, who was my mother, who um, I will always give all credit for my success in helping to build me into the man that I am today. That's great, Ron. Well, on that note, on that note, uh, let me thank you, Ron, for joining us today as uh, number 45 uh, in our PR Masters uh, podcast series. This was a very exhilarating discussion. And uh, as another boy from the Bronx, you know, uh, uh, I'm so happy to learn that we have that in common, um, as well as probably other things uh, to talk about. So I'll take you up on your offer, Ron, of doing this 10 years from now, uh, when you have turned a hearty and healthy uh, 56, and I have turned a little bit I won't say it out loud. <laughs> but thanks for, your, thanks for sharing yourself with us today. We really appreciate it. I hope you enjoy yourself. Right. I have to tell you that you're one of the few that from when I've come into this industry has been a passionate, strident voice for the PR industry, for all that you do educationally, for all that you do for this entire industry. You know, and again, I mean, you know, for me, for the you know 25 years I work in PR, you are like a luminary, a voice of reason, our industry, a voice of passion about PR. And I want to thank you for everything that you do for this industry and wish you a long and healthy life until the age of 120. Only good things are, and let's talk again soon. Thank you so, so much. Oh, Ron, thank you. Gosh, you made my day. You really did. Thank you so much for your I appreciate it. And I, talk I love soon, you Art. Too, thank man. you very, very much. Be well, my friend. Thank you, thank okay. you. Bye. And I'd like to thank all of you for joining us today, and uh, I thank Ron Tarosian of, of 5W for sharing his views with us. Um, this has been another in the series of PR Masters, and we certainly came across a true PR Master today. Thank you, Ron Tarosian. So until next time, I am Art Stevens, wishing you all the very best.